Welcome, Pathfinders, to Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path after oh, party yeah. 60. Oh man, the big six zero. We can retire. Dun, Wait, dun. oh, we still have more uh, of this not to America, work for. This is America. We can't just retire. <laughs> I know. At what is retirement? <laughs> that's, that's like a, that's, that's a like if concept. you're super lucky, right? Yeah. Patreon stretch goal. <laughs> Patreon stretch goal. Let us that's retire at sixty. Wow. <laughs> oh my. So well, let's uh, let's go ahead and hop into our uh, our recaps here. So we are going to be looking at episodes 178, 179, and 180. Episodes that will live in infamy. Uh, I mean, Don't all of our perhaps. episodes live Technically, in infamy. They do. In infamy. I mean, at least depends, live on the yeah. internet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Infamy is the thing. I don't know. It, it it might. Who knows? We'll find out in like 20, 30 years. I don't know. Uh, but sure. 178 had uh, our party fighting against those really fun living sandstorms. Hey, living sandstorms. Sand. We were trying to get into the tomb of the Akuminen. They <laughs> were Akumin. not nice. Those were neat. Neat, he says. Yeah, that's that's probably in quotation marks there. They they are very interesting creatures, but when you're stuck in a very small space with them, they are they're less interesting. Yeah, they they were perfectly placed to make that like an extremely hard fight, not because of the creature, but because of the environment that you're fighting I mean, them in. Also, the creature, because you know, being also the creature, blinded yeah. and stuff sucked. I mean, yeah. I don't know who here has actually seen the live action Jungle Book from way back in the day. You mean the good one? Yes. The, yes, the good um, one. Um, I mean, like way back in the day, maybe I don't remember it at all. So there is a scene toward the end of the movie that this scene that we were you know role playing really reminded me of and it's there in this small square room but if you break the uh, like symbols on the wall sand starts pouring out of it and mm -hmm. so you know Mowgli is going around and just breaking all of them and then there's like this pretty horrible scene where Carrie Elwes's character is like drowning in sand and I was like oh my god like I'm having flashbacks to that movie because it horrified me as a kid that the idea that you would like just sink in the sand Carrie Elvis always plays kind of a bad guy most of the time, especially except lately. For, I mean, except Princess Bride. Yeah, he, but, but great, he was also but technically guy. bad in that because he was the Dread Pirates robber. Yeah, see, so. great guy plays kind of a bad guy, but he's really good at it. Yeah, love it. Drowning in sand in a small room and all the rest of that is also kind of just—it's a classic death trap sort of. Move. Yeah, it's it, the the variation of this one is it's the creatures causing it, not like you know we've triggered a trap and it yeah. causes you know the sands to pour in from all sides. Nope, now, you granted, just triggered a creature. I did disable six glyph traps. So many glyphs. <laughs> All the glyphs. Um, I was going to say, so much XP. Wow. The, there, there was, I was like expecting, oh, it's going to be the same one for each one. We'll just go through this. It's like, oh, no. They were they were different glyphs for every room. That was... Uh, I, I appreciate that yeah. because it would have gotten a little boring if it's like, eh, it's another glyph trap of you know blindness or whatever. Yeah, to recap, it was a uh, heightened major curse, a heightened phantasmal killer, a heightened flame strike, a blade barrier, a harm spell, and a heightened poison. I wonder if each of the Akumenin got to pick what their glyph was. Oh, that would have been fun. That, that would have been an interesting conversation with Hakatep. Okay, so I want this glyph on my tomb. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it might have been because like the curse was for the, the setite. Mm -hmm. The phantasmal killer was for the uh, bard. Yeah. yeah, the blade barriers for one of the warriors. The um, anyway, like they seemed like they were kind of themed around the individuals. Yeah, for each one. Oh, that's cool. The heightened poison was for the assassin. Yeah. Out of curiosity, 
what would have I have had to roll in order to fail those? Because I start the 31. So not to, I guess, bum out the audience some, uh, you couldn't fail. The oh. DC's 31. Wow. <laughs> I, I find high-level uh, traps are just like free XP with a rogue. So yeah, the DC for those was 31. So. Yeah. so I was hitting it right on the nose. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of tension there. Out of curiosity, what's your perception bonus against traps? I believe it's a 24. Yes, 24. Okay, so there's a chance that you wouldn't have noticed it because the perception DC for these traps is 31. Okay. So, you know, again, Citra's, Citra's super high dexterity, so her disabled device is so much higher than her lower wisdom score, which I think you have uh, 12. Something yes. in that range. Yeah, because I only have a plus one for my wisdom. But that's why a lot of times when it's a very important check, I pull out my handy dandy lens that I got from Sagara. Yeah, you guys found that in an abandoned at bathhouse, sauna, right? I think, bathhouse. Yeah, yeah I think so, I think it was yeah. like book two? Yeah, way that? back. I want to say it was back we had to like Go in the mud and get it. Yep, dig around through the mud for a bit. Nice. Yep. Yeah, so that's been helping you guys out for a while. So yeah, the... Yeah. Your disabled device is so high that the trap wasn't really a threat that way. However, there was a chance that you didn't notice it. So it could have still been a, still, still could have been a trap. You know what we did notice? There were, was no key in any of these tombs. And we decided to be nice and not open any of them just in case there were some scary things inside. That just seemed um, to be like, well, it's also, we're not going to like desecrate tombs. Like we're, we're trying, I know we're like having to go into like tombs, yeah. but we're not going into sarcophagi if we can at all avoid it. Well, thankfully, Masika had a sort of workaround. I mean, it, it, it is, but we're not sure if it's, it's accurate because of the rules of Pathfinder. But uh, Masika decided to contact the outer plane. So I believe we contacted uh, Toth? Yeah, I think that's what Rick said. Yeah. It's weird because the way that spell works, it it runs off of your intelligence, but it also can, it, but it's weird. You think if it was a divine caster casting it, it would run off of their wisdom, but it only affects arcane spells, so it's very strange. Hmm. This gets into, into the weird mechanics of the game. Uh, animals only have a maximum intelligence option of two. However, an animal can have a wisdom as high as possible because wisdom is basically instinct. So you can make an argument that contacting these things breaks your reasoning faculties and leaves you only with the primal instincts remaining and in like, you know, for survival and all the rest of that. So in mm. essence, you know, reduces you to an animal-like mentality is the idea. You know, it gets into the, uh, I think I referenced this a couple of times. It gets into that uh, that Call of Cthulhu thing where it's the higher your knowledge checks are, it's almost the worse it is for you because you can actually understand what you're seeing and that's what it really It's gets weird you. because just looking up the spell again real quick, it's it increases your tele intelligence and charisma. So it's like it's specifically targeted to the arcane casters, but divine casters with wisdom base can cast it. So yeah, I might be dumb for a few days if this doesn't work, but it's not going to impede my spell casting ability. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It might impede the party's ability to communicate or do anything yeah. else with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but. You're looking a little rough. <laughs> you just walk over. It's like Masika, just point towards your wounds. Masika's <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> well, like, lightning bolt? Uh, <laughs> Masika, <laughs> Masika, you know, lightning bolt. <laughs> and Armor's like, yes, yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Our inevitable betrayal. <laughs> but Masika was able to get us some, uh, I guess starting info on uh, our plague queen lady mm -hmm. it was kind of contradictory it's like she's dangerous or what was it She not that she's dangerous but she's not it's uh, 
Uh, so is she undead? No. Is she a threat? Maybe or something. That like was that? it. It was. Yeah. Is she a threat? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> so that maybe. Was fun. Um, and then they said that the uh, key was quote unquote below the Akumen. So we're not sure if we're taking that literally or not. So we're still figuring that one out. There may be stairs down somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We got to find the hidden staircase behind a a wall or something. Um, But that leads us into episode 179, where we decided to go uh, introduce ourselves to the play queen. Um, And oh my gosh, her setup. Yeah, like when you walk in there and you see the suspended sarcophagus and this poor lady just screaming inside, I'm like, that's just wrong. Well, probably the threat thing is if you let her out, she's a threat. But if you walk away from the dangling (laughs) tomb, she can't get out of it. So, nope. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of interestingly set up because like the first thing you see is that door with the cold iron all over it. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, oh, man, this must be really dangerous. Like we were like, we should take a piece of cold iron like this whole thing. And then you get you actually get into the room and you're just like, holy cow, these were vindictive people who put her here. Well, I yeah. mean, she probably is still very dangerous. We just rolled really well on our diplomacy check as well. Well, in in the following episode, you learned just how dangerous she was yeah, we because she was routinely yeah. <laughs> doing 120 to 140 points of damage per round against these guys. And that's just with her bow. That's not even with all the magic that she has. Yeah. Yeah. We've been routinely seeing throughout this AP that Hakatep is not a nice person just by some of the decisions and things he's made. Yeah. yeah, but like this is like an extra special level of awful because well, she like, tried to kill his beloved wife, who yeah. we think might worship Narlathotep. So yeah, 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 yeah. but it's it's like okay, so he decided to one put all the magic in there so that she couldn't teleport out. He then makes the cold iron spikes to put in there so that she has she will take damage the entire time. I, I think I said it in the episode. That's some serious Zonkathon stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's why I kind of wondered if the actual setup was less hawk because Hakatep stuff has been more clever and like the same with Chisisek, like they've been clever traps, but this one just seemed cruel. So that's well, why I is- thought she told us that Hakatep did that to her, that the Akuman trapped her and under his orders and did. This I know, to but her. I I, I kind of wonder if the the wife didn't come up with the setup and he just made it happen. He's okay with his wife sacrificing children. Yeah, I know. I that it just. Well, I think I think Rachel's point there is <laughs> everything that you've run into as far as Hakatep is concerned. Again, one of the the few points that I think uh, Hollis and Hakatep can see eye to eye is all of his solutions are magical. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And everything you've seen with Chisasek are like complex trap puzzles, mechanical things. You know, it would have been yeah. It would have been something like, you know, here's a block that drops down. And then if you push up on it, like you push up the block to try to get up, but then the walls will slide in. So you have to choose between getting crushed by the walls or crushed by the ceiling. Ha ha. Yeah. Clever. You know, I think Rachel's point is like the persistent, constant pain and suffering for all of eternity in a non-magical, non-like complex trap thing doesn't really seem either of their styles. Yeah. Well, I Which mean, I'm sure that he was just like, hey, my cool, awesome Akumen folk punish her for all eternity, make her suffer. And then they were like, cool boss. Cause one of them was like, yeah, an assassin. Them. And one of them. Well, yeah. And with her nature as an outsider, it would be harder to, and you know, there's not really a magical, magical way to make her suffer for all eternity with her being awake. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so it would have to be something physical. Mm-hmm. Either yeah, I mean, way, I think the thing also trap. is that, that stood out to me is the level of, of preparation it would take. 
to get her just into the into the sarcophagus because you have to line the entire thing with the cold iron spike. So there's like some level of like pre-planning that kind of went into that whole like Yeah, thing. like uh, did they know she was going to do this whole turn into a div thing? No, I think they caught her and then they trapped her somehow. Yeah, the, like, the implication that you got her. previously from Tefnaju was that she started her transformation. You don't know how long that t- transformation took, but they yeah. stopped her midway through her transformation. Apparently knew what she was doing enough to go, okay, cold iron and all the rest of this. Because, I mean, that transformation could have been, you know, you drink the potion and you fall conveniently behind a table and then you climb up, you're a different person, a la Jekyll and Hyde in the classic movies. <laughs> or it could have been like you drink this thing and then over the course of a year, yeah, you transform from one to another. Because, again, it's a supernatural disease. So if you're looking at it that way. Those she usually take a couple of days. Yeah, it might have been literally she had to let the disease run its course and yeah. choose to fail the saving throws and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And if she was still mortal while this disease was ravaging her, she might have been severely weakened by the oh, effects probably. of the disease oh, yeah. during the transformation. Mm-hmm. So, well, Once again, she does have an ability re- referred to as accustomed to awfulness. Yeah, that's so. That's awful. <laughs> so, yeah, she's very sad. But yeah. she's very sad because she's always like, People have always thought she was a weapon, and she like killed her mom or whoever by touching them. Well, because she uh, can't so help it. She just like that's part of her like bloodline is she just causes disease with her. That's touch, a terrible bloodline. Know? Yeah. First off, yes, that's a terrible bloodline. She she has. I think uh, Jordan said it in the episode that you said she has like the rogue condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, from the X Men. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a good observation, and that's actually always something. Um, it's something that I took away from the the X-Men growing up, and I've always believed a bit more in... Uh, I think people should approach it a bit more with your spontaneous spellcasters. Where again, it's like, okay, well, a kid made me angry on the school ground when I was six years old, and that's the first time that I like hit someone with a dazzle spell or something like that. Because it is spontaneous, you usually go through that X-Men, like, mm-hmm. Cyclops blowing up, you know, his parents' house because his eye beams turned on at night, or... Yeah, all the yeah. rest of that, that you would have that development stage. That usually you think that that would be when go all like, take them and shuffle them away to a more powerful, you know, wizard or sorcerer or something like that to, you know, become an apprentice to teach them to control their powers. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, she did not have that, but she did agree to help us. So, yeah. that's After good. After a very impressive diplomacy check. And a lot of explaining that all the people that she's mad at are long gone. Yeah. And a lot of checking, like, you're not going to go cause a contagion across the entire continent? No? Okay, good. Well, and we found out that Hakatev's brother did try to kill him. And she was kind of in on that. Yeah, and she betrayed the brother to Hakatev to try to prove herself. And then apparently. Well, she played both sides. Yeah. She divided him with the disease so that Hakatev would get sick. So that she could be Hakatep's, and then I'll nurse him back to health, and then he'll fall madly in love with me. It's kind of yeah. the firefighter arsonist thing. And we oh, did yeah. find out that Nahamra raised Hakatep's nephew alongside Hakatep's own son. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. And the son died? Yeah, something, yeah, something happened but to the son. But she was still, no, the son was still alive when she was imprisoned because when we well, told yeah, her that. The son didn't inherit, so yeah. he must have died or something. Well, we found out he died. Tefna Jew or somebody told us that. Kamos was Etet's son with uh, through his wife, the last daughter of the Sekpetras, whom Hakatep had already killed. All the rest of them. And you found out that the other two sons that uh, of the Sekpetras, her brothers that she begged Hakatep to spare, it. were the other two betrayers. Mm-hmm. 
So there go the rest of the set patras. Yeah. Because again, a lot of a lot of what you've seen from uh, Hakatep, and mind you, the fact that he invites betrayal so often is one thing. An indicator. But then he tends to be he tends to be very very violent to those who betray him. Yeah. And yeah, very supportive to those who aid him. So like a classic dictator kind of move. Classic. Just like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of he kind of has to because that's like how you maintain power, right? You, if you're too soft on them, you invite more people to try to assassinate you. So he probably goes over the top. Yeah. And she was surprised that Nahamura had split his soul, though. She was like, "That doesn't seem." Well, that happened. That him. happened like way after she was imprisoned, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, because Nahamura obviously cared a lot about the. A tet child. She also as well. said though she never trusted Nahabra. Yeah, she said there was something with him, right? Like he He's, was too nice. What did what did she say? He was too nice. He was too nice. Yeah. 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 He was just interested in magic. That's just uh, he feels very nethis nethis to me. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. We're gonna go talk to Nahamra and hopefully find out some stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> that guy'll know. Be like, why why'd you end up so bad, man? Why are you well, at the very least cursed? If you got a chance to talk to Nahamra, you know that Nahamra was there for everything. Yeah. Yes. Also true. Yeah. So, you so get, we can get the rest of the story give after us the tea. Te- yes. Technically, I don't <laughs> build the tea. There's, there's no way for y'all to know this. So, uh, secret behind the scenes after party stuff. Technically, Nahamra was there when Hakatep was born. Oh. So Nahamra was there from like birth to you know from cradle it's like, to the can grave. Can you just tell us the whole biography, please? Yes. We're just gonna <laughs> yeah. sit here. I know and... it's been like six thousand years. Nahamra, tell like, us everything. <laughs> everything, please. Everyone gather, and you know the the doorkeeper sit in a little semicircle on you know cross legged around uh, Nahamra while he starts story time. Hakatep <laughs> was a happy baby. Yes. Anyway. But in episode 180, she accompanied us to the uh, quote-unquote isolation cell, which is where we found all the skeletons, uh, because apparently when you teleport, that's where you end up, is in this room that you are unable to get out of because it's dimensional anchored. That felt like a Chisasek-Hakatep combo pack type idea. Simple but efficient. It is. It's it's a simple trap. You get stuck in there, and then after a while, like that's basically it. We found a cool Shori like cloak, which is yep. rad. Yeah, because apparently there was a Shori agent at some point tried to get in here. I mean, well, you can imagine sense. that they're probably one of the early ones. Because again, this place has been here for six thousand years, and while Tefnaju has been efficient in keeping in like trapping people, you can imagine that some people came in here and they they battled the the Hanshepsus because obviously no one ever destroyed the Hanshepsu generator before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So possibly like the third or fourth time they fought the Hanshepsus were just like, okay, screw this, let's get out. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they end up in this, you know, room, unable to get out and starve to death. But uh, from there, we moved on to the uh, last set of doors, which took us south. And we entered a very interesting, quote unquote, beautiful room by description. But uh, I'm not sure if I would consider walls covered in shiny scarabs to be beautiful. That's that's choice. Uh, I don't know. I found the description for it. You're kind of beautiful and peaceful, kind of the way that like you know butterfly houses are. Butterflies are a little different than scarabs. I was gonna say it depends on how you scarabs. feel about bugs. If you dislike bugs, this room is terrifying. If you're okay with bugs, then it's beautiful. I've seen the mummy. I've if you've seen, seen the mummy, yeah. it's awful. Yes. <laughs> I, I literally thought they were gonna be like some magical swarms or something that we yeah, were gonna trigger. I'm, so I'm still not sure they aren't. <laughs> well, we've been in the room enough that I think if they were going to come off the wall and attack us, they would have done it already. If they yeah. were going to attack us, it would have been spells. when the cone of cold went off. Yeah. 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 And you guys determined whenever you blasted off said uh, cone of cold and all the rest of that previously that it has no effect on them. Yeah. So, so they're probably like, just a loser. It, free- it froze the wall, but did nothing to the scarab beetles. What so. was that percentile roll Heather had to make? 
Ooh, that's Good something uh, you guys will have to wait to find out because. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. That might have but some more bearing soon. Within this room, we did find out. Uh, well, I guess before we came in, there was the story on the wall of Tefnaju's four homies. Um, well, his, like his mentees, like he trained them. And yeah, uh, the they... ancient Osirian word for brother and pupil is basically the same word. Yeah. So it so, could be a figurative or literal brothers. Yeah. So, but they he, they were trained under him, and when they found out that Hakatep had trapped him here, decided they were going to come free him, only to get corrupted by a black Johnny and become ghouls and without a become own. great ghouls. Oless ghouls. Yeah. Yep. Oless ghouls. So, um, great ghouls. I was really worried going into this fight whenever Rick was like, what's the caster level of your weapon? And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were going to warp your stuff. Any, anytime Rick asks, how much do you weigh right now with all of your gear? And like, what's the caster level of these items and things? You know it's going to be something unusual and weird. Very yeah. specific questions. Yeah. They, they yes. ask those questions that we never get asked any other time. We know something weird's about to happen. Yes. See, he didn't do the thing I thought he was going to do. Which was? Narmer's made of metal. Oh, Narmer yeah, is made of metal. Um, however, it does specify object, and Narmer is a creature. Uh, yeah. Oh, Plus, oh, yeah. Narmer wasn't doing anything uh, to damage them. He was just hanging out. And beneficially for them, it would have been more beneficial to warp your your armor or your weapons, especially. However, this party doesn't really rely on weapons as much, except for Citra. <laughs> and worst case scenario, Citra part. could just pull her offhand weapon and keep stabbing. That is true. So, but then yeah, I wouldn't have had my little electric electric kukri anymore, and that would have been very sad. It would be interesting depending on like what groups coming in here. I also found it intriguing because I was just thinking back to uh, yeah, back when uh, you still had Sagira and Onuris, and mm -hmm. you had uh, Natron's Fang. Because technically speaking, like, you would have walked in here and be like, "Ha, yeah. my salt sword's fine," yeah. <laughs> and then beat them down. That's true. Things could have been much different. Yeah, Sudi and Hollis were like, "Ha ha, we don't even wear armor or carry." Well, I had weapons. I mean, you could warp them if you want to. I was gonna say, well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming I probably had some types of metal, like I might have like rings on or something, but like, yeah, it's, you know, nothing big. I, I don't yeah. think I'd, I would had ever been more thankful um, for the scrolls that Hollis <laughs> grabbed for some me. More scrolls. Because uh, like I had some that I, that Citra just bought earlier in the game. And then when Hollis started realizing that, oh, this little one actually knows how to do some magic, you scribed some scrolls for me. And so I had that uh, scroll of Sea Invisibility, which, uh, oh, thank goodness, because I think that fight would have gone so much worse. I had to go mm. stand out next to a thing with a knife again, but at least I didn't get hit, so that was fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on the note of uh, things should have gone a different way, um, I owe a huge apology to Rick, the party, the audience, everybody, because I apparently was not in my right mind while we were having that fight because from the halfway point of my sheet up, I had everything right. I had the damage reduction right. I had my AC right. From the way down, I was actually doing my big damage oh. and big to hit. So I don't know what was wrong with me because I had I, I did way more damage, way more accurately than I should have in that fight. Uh -huh. So, uh, yep. I'm now gonna go Rick's ahead just, just going to kill us all. I'm just going to go ahead and not use my third use of uh, of my righteous might going forward because I was getting the benefits of it. Okay. Well, and I guess uh, for most of those things, like I don't think Sudi actually killed any of them. No, I didn't, I but I did do three. a fair amount of damage to them. Yeah. You know, and again, like in one case, Citra reduced one of them to negative 50 something. So. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, Jashura and Citra were probably doing like 
a ton of the damage. I know we had like the Cone of Cold go off and some yeah. lightning arcs and things, but I did want well, to say, because I will probably get called on it. Yes, I completely messed that up, y'all, and I'm sorry. Yeah, because with Jashura, like, again, that fight kind of showcased just how, like, she is so dangerous. Yeah, if yeah. she was if we if she was fighting us, she could get Sudi down in like a round and a half. Well, like her crazy. AC is so high. She has a 33 AC. Oh, she got more AC than me. She's in the 200s for hit points. She has spell resistance and damage reduction and resistances to like acid and electricity. Her attack bonuses are all, you know, basically even rapid shooting, they start at 20 27. See, before this, I was like, we keep her because she's sad and she needs friends and she can be our friend. And now I'm like, we keep her because she's a murder machine. Yes, but oh, then you fall into the same trap of everybody else. She's a weapon. Yeah. Shame on you. No, it, I'm, it that's the, from a player uh, standpoint. I know. I know. The deadly thing that didn't, it sort of came up in this. It didn't come up in this quite as much as the fact that she has a 19 to 20 critical times three. <laughs> and bleeding critical. Yeah. Nice. Although the bleeding critical did nothing here, but Masika's against living just things, gonna make mm. herself one of those amulets that makes her immune to disease, so I don't have to make a fortitude save every time I try to heal her. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see like you can kind of see based on that that she like, she's like even more of a weapon now than she was because like you know she had that whole mindset of you know I need to become even more even stronger so I'm gonna turn myself into a div but like she still had tons of training and like you know when they were like she's like Hakatep's assassin I was like. So she's killing them with magic? No, she's killing them with a bow. Good gracious. Mm -hmm. Like impressive. under six Stealth. seconds, she could kill almost anybody. Stealth Archer. Yeah. Yep. There's actually only one thing with the stat block that I looked at and went, that's not right. And that okay. is the fact that her languages don't include any human languages. What? Oh, she they shouldn't speak Shori? ancient Osiriani. She should speak and... Shori and ancient Osiriani. Mm -hmm. huh. But they they only, I think it might have been a copy paste thing from the div because they only gave ah. her abyssal, celestial, and infernal. Oh, yes, probably is, yeah. yeah. That seems like a typo. Yeah. yeah. But no, she's a, she's a damage-dealing machine, so... Again, I think she was uh, beneficial here, and giving her haste is just insult to injury. <laughs> Man, that haste wand is my favorite thing. I was going <laughs> to say, haste is... Nice. I've said this multiple times. Haste is one of the most useful buff spells you can prepare. I think Heather can... Uh, can back me up on this, like Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dell or any of those games. The first <laughs> thing that you do, like it's like boss fight coming up, haste the party. Pretty much yep. all of your like all of your spell slots for your wizard. Well, and, you know, and haste at AD and D pretty haste. much gave you an entire extra turn. It wasn't just like an oh, extra gosh, standard. Like time it stop. Wow. Yeah, it was one of those. You could cast two spells as a spellcaster if you were hasted. That's wow. like the 3.0 version of haste. Because <laughs> when third edition first came out, haste gave you an extra standard action. Mm. Oh. So yes. every wizard would just cast haste and then go meteor swarm, meteor swarm, time stop, meteor swarm. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I know I'm a 20th level wizard, but I've got to start with my third level spell. And quick and haste was basically just like click, boom, and then immediately follow that up with all the rest of the stuff. So, yeah, uh, haste there's good. a reason that they they reduced that in power grossly. Well, and on that uh, semi depressing note, let's move on to our emails. <laughs> OK. All righty. Let's. All right. Email number one is from Esteban in Buenos Aires. Ooh, I hope I cool. did that justice. That's fun. Um, okay. What do we know about Buenos Aires? It's in Argentina. Yeah, uh, it it's is in Argentina. Um, it's, it's mountainous. There's mountains. Yeah. I've never actually been to South America, so I don't know. It's lovely. I don't know. Let's see. Buenos Aires is uh, Argentina's capital. Its center is the uh, is lined with stately 19th century buildings, including the Casa Casa Rosada balconied presidential palace 
There's a Grand Opera House there. Yeah. Okay, Apparently Grand the Grand Opera, Opera House and the uh, MALBA Museum displaying Latin American art are uh, some of the big draws there. It feels like Sodden Lands. Oh, I thought it felt like Arcadia because... It, I was going to say, but the opera makes me think of uh, Chelyax, even though that's completely, you know, wrong mm. place. It's... The famous opera house immediately makes me think Cantargo again, but we put a we lot of people every, in Cantargo. I was going to say, we can't put everybody yeah. in Cantargo. I, I'm kind of leaning to Arcadia. Yeah, I think somewhere in Arcadia would be cool. Yeah. So... We, we don't know a lot about Arcadia, so... Not a lot is out about Arcadia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is an Andoran settlement in Ar in Arcadia. Okay. El Somer. It's a, actually, it's more of a small farming and lumbering producing colony. Alessamar. Yeah. Alessamar? Yeah, good enough. Alessamar. Uh, Esteban from Alessamar. Uh, Hi, doorkeepers slash silver ravens and mighty omnipresent Rick. Hi. Cheers. <laughs> Omnipresent. I like that. Don't don't give don't, him don't any feed more. that ego. Yeah, though. please. Don't creep it up on a nip it. No. <laughs> Cheers from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Oh, I want to go there so bad. Um, I have been listening to your podcast for almost a year now, and I have been keeping up to date with Mummy's Mask and Hell Rebel storylines. Awesome. Unfortunately, Yay. the conversion rate of Argentinian pesos to U.S. dollars and the taxes involved. Uh, make it very hard for me to become a Patreon supporter the way I should to repay you for all those hours of quality entertainment, amazing storytelling, and utterly brilliant RP and DMing. Oh, well, thank you for the compliment, and yeah, uh, trust me, we we understand. And again, if you can't uh, if you can't support on Patreon, just support by spreading the word. Yeah, yep, that helps just as much. So. That said, I wanted to write to you to at least tell you how much I enjoy your shows and how much I appreciate the way y'all manage a strict and comprehensive use of the rules and, at the same time, make it absolutely entertaining to listen to. Kudos Thank to everyone, you. but especially to Rick for this. I have never played Pathfinder before, and after having listened to you and some other actual plays, I am pretty confident that I would have no trouble playing without even opening the core rulebook. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Nonetheless, I am looking forward to finishing my PhD thesis. Oh, nice. Oh, my. Congratulations. Uh, this year, in order to have some more free time to read RPG books and start DMing some games of my own. Mm. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Con congratulations. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Well, you can join our Discord to play some Pathfinder. Discord.gg slash find the path. We yep. finally got our own URL. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I have just one question that I can think of asking, but I'm afraid that maybe you can't answer it just yet. What are your plans for the future now that Mummy's Mask Adventure is coming oh to an end? We are going to do another AP, but we haven't settled on which one yet. Yes. I think we have some strong inclinations. We, we, do. we do have some strong inclinations. I suppose as far as teasers for this might be concerned, we already have Hell's Rebels, which is our second edition podcast and therefore we plan to keep this channel first edition so that for those of you who are uh, second edition inclined inclined you can of course go to our hell's rebels adventure path and for those of you who are more interested in first edition then we are going to continue to do first edition on our find the path podcast feed yes i think we have it narrowed down to three but we would of course be interested for uh, anyone that wants to hop on the uh, the discord or you know, go to our, our Mummy's Mask uh, Discord channels or hop on the subreddit and comment on our Mummy's Mask episode subreddit to give us some uh, some ideas of what you'd be interested in seeing. Indeed. See whether or not uh, our thought process and yours are on the same track. Mm -hmm. So Esteban ends with, once again, gracias for your amazing work and the passion you pour into it. It really shows. Esteban. Thank, Thank you. you. Yay. Thank you, Esteban. 
And congratulations on your thesis. I know. Yeah, seriously. PhD thesis. <laughs> That's intense. Email to number two is from Chad from Huntsville. Huntsville. Wow. Huntsville. Huntsville. <laughs> Chad from Huntsville, Alabama. Ooh, roll tide. Hey, Chad. Okay. I told him a football okay. thing. That was weird. I did, but that's because my coworker is constantly talking about Roll Tide, and for the longest time, I had no idea what it meant. She's just a storm <laughs> druid. Um, all right. So, where is Huntsville, Alabama, in the world of Galarian? Let's see. It's in the Appalachian region of northern Alabama. Yeah. Okay, so we're near some mountains. Extending west into neighboring Limestone County. Uh, they apparently do a lot with uh, biotechnology um, weapon development, particularly during uh, World Falcon War Star. One, World War Two, and uh, apparently resettlement of German scientists. I didn't realize any yeah. of this about Huntsville. Yeah, okay, I... it can't be Alkenstar because that's Texas. So the more yeah. you know. Hmm. Is there a lot of limestone in Galarian? I'm not up on my Galarian. Well, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say limestone, <laughs> some mountains. Uh, I mean, someplace in Andorin might be interesting, though. There's an area of Andorin that's in western Andorin where there was a collapse because there was a lot of mining there. Uh, where are the Candlestone Caverns? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, the Candlestone Caverns. In Andorin, cap, yeah, because uh, I just Googled Limestone Pathfinder, the candle <laughs> and the Candlestone can Canyons came up. A labyrinth of living limestone tunnels and caves Rat in Wait, living? the cool. Mountains of Andorin near the border of Chiliax. As a fun side note, uh, I don't know if this gonna, any of this is going to make it into the episode, but as a fun side note, uh, that's where Grimm developed his hatred of kobolds, nice. was uh, fighting in the uh, Candlestone Caverns. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perrin's Bluff is the closest city to Candlestone Caverns. Chad from uh, Perrin's Bluff. Andorin. Uh, Andorin. Andorin. Hello, and welcome to the Find the Path podcast, Mommy's Mask Adventure Path drinking game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. I'm okay. ready. The rules are very simple. As you listen to the podcast, if any of the following happens, take a drink. Oh, gosh. Rick redundantly says, ascend up or descend down. <laughs> I do that. Man, this guy's going to read us for filth right oh, now. No, we're getting read for filth for sure. Hollis asks if she has made a scroll for Citra. <laughs> True, I do that a lot. That happens a lot. Oh. Scroll that. Citra two-weapon fights. <laughs> oh. That's a rare uh, one, so okay. Heather exclaims, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's like once That's, an episode at least. That's pretty common. Sudi remembers to use a class ability. <laughs> I've been oh. getting better. I've been getting this better. Last time he used one without using one. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this yeah. last one he used one without yep. actually needing to. So, or uh, should. Someone mentions a Star Wars quote where sand gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Again, once an episode. I don't like sand. I can't sand. help it. There you go. Someone asks, is this a fear effect? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I've started editing those out because now it's oh, become, really? is this a fear effect, a death effect, mind controlling? Is this disease? Is it I need to oh, know yeah. if my bonuses say, I've got so many bonuses. I can't help it. Yep. Let's see. Critical giggle. Yep. Um, Once a combat. Sugar, yeah. Sugar says, you can't understand me. You can't <laughs> understand true. me. So take two drinks if any of oh, the no. following happens. Oh, Lord. Uh -oh. oh, no. An enemy fails the save against the Bone Shaker spell. As of episode 167, this has never happened. <laughs> it doesn't happen in this, no, yeah. Have you actually been keeping track? Oh my gosh. Well, we're yeah. so well, to be fair, level. now the save DC is so low. Oh, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a reference to Waterworld is made. Yeah. And yep. shout out to Heidi from Fantastic Worlds, who is a fellow Waterworld fan. Love that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
the party gets an iconic magic item that no one wants. That happens a lot. That that actually happens a lot, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And finally, finish your drink if any of these things happen. Mm. Narmer gets wounded in an episode. Okay, that's that's, that's fairly rare. Okay. That's fairly rare. A mask flashback. Fairly rare. Once every 10 episodes or so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or Sudi gets his eye back. Just waiting on Masika to learn regenerate. She has it. I have it, and I've asked, and Jordan's never really answered the question one way or the other. I don't the resources on that. I, I did At like two books worth of training to yeah. get to where I can use it with mostly no penalty, and I'm not really ranged. Yeah. So yeah. maybe at the end of the adventure path, that's the epilogue. Sudi gets his eye back. Yep. Yeah, sure. So maybe for Sudi, it's just it's a lesson learned. You know, every scar builds you, uh, builds you up. Builds to who character. You are. Well, it's like yep. it's the thing about it is like Sudi lost that eye to save like I think it was a half dozen people. Yeah. Like that's an equal exchange. You know, he's covered in scars and stuff from defending his friends and stuff. So like yeah. that's worth the exchange. So I, uh, just I so you know, regenerate does not have any material components. It's just a three full rounds to cast. Well, I think it's the spell slot versus, you know, what you guys have been having yeah, to do. Yeah, I was like, we don't, re- we're in kind of a, a crunchy time where it's like, we got to go fast. So, like, that seems like a, a well, relatively. Well, we haven't started the timer yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will say of. that, uh, I will say, I'm sure our friends over at uh, Hideous Laughter would probably appreciate this drinking game. So, uh, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> true. So, I, I will, I will credit them with having a drinking game that probably won't get you totally smashed on the floor. Yeah. Per episode, yeah, so that's nice. Depends on what you're drinking. D- depends on how many critical giggles you hear. Yeah. Um, Especially since <laughs> anyway. Rachel's jumped up to a 15 to 20. True. Yeah, don't I've watch that. Uh, don't watch that puppet special because everybody in their mom is pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah puppet special is bad. bad. All right. Thanks for the hours and hours of quality entertainment, y'all. I have enjoyed every minute of it. Chad. You're welcome. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. Exciting. Also, thank you for the drinking game. Post that on the Discord. I'm sure somebody would appreciate I'm, that. I'm sure somebody <laughs> or on the Reddit. would. <laughs> yeah, or on the Reddit. Okay. So our final email is actually a physical piece of paper. A paper Uh-oh. mail. A mail. Because mail it was actually time. not an email. It was physical mail, which is oh always my. fun to get because, you know, we're in that age where it's like most of the mail you get is just uh, loan offers and uh, credit card offers, yep. you know, because those two go hand in hand. And other spammy uh, things. And other spammy things. So when we actually get like legit mail, it's like, yeah. And didn't these come with cookies? They did indeed. So this is from Morgan from Latran? 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 Yeah. AKA Helio Spark, the ballet dancer slash chemist on Discord. Oh, Helio Spark! <laughs> uh, Latran is the Golden City best known for being the headquarters of the mysterious executioners known as the Grey Gardeners. There we go. Excellent choice. Cool. Excellent choice. Right. Hi, FTP crew. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, Y'all mentioned in After Party 59 the idea of having an <laughs> quote unquote over the pyramid cake for After Party 60. And the idea made me smile. So I thought I'd make it happen. Or try, since I don't know how far ahead you record. Unfortunately, (laughs) cakes are really hard to ship. So have some Mummy's Mask-themed cranberry orange shortbread cookies instead. They were very yummy. They were very good. And they had great decorations. We had them as part of our Christmas celebration. I believe we posted them on the Discord, too. Mm -hmm. We did. And Um, Twitter, I think, too. I love baking and sharing it with people, and I bake something different every week that usually gets offloaded onto my neighbors, coworkers, friends, and this week, you... Love it. Feel oh. free to offload more tasty treats <laughs> to find the path. If you were in Texas, we would be uh, at your house awaiting. Hello, <laughs> next baking. Okay. So I am, however, very much a home baker. Don't let that 
come that no because have you watched the great british bake-off those are all amateur bakers amateur <laughs> punctuate by whapping your mic i did i did totally whap my mic i, I apologize i was i was i felt very strongly about their equipment about your uh, about your skills <laughs> i am however very much a home baker so please just run with my decorating skills they were so good we did they were really, really good, good. The mummy's yep. mask logos in particular had a lot more detail than I can easily achieve with icing, <laughs> but I had yeah. a ton of fun trying. I considered trying to do a Narmer cookie, but couldn't quite make it happen. I'll keep working on my piping skills, and maybe I'll make it happen some other time. Wishing Narmer you the- cookies, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing you the happiest of whatever holidays you celebrate. Continued thanks for all the good times and shenanigans. Awesome, thank you. Rick. Can mm. can you say I'm a cookie in Narmer's voice, please? I'm a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a PS. PS. I know Ross isn't technically part of Mummy's Mask, but I do listen to both Tyrant's Grasp and Hell's Rebels too, and these are definitely meant for him as well. Oh, he, he had, had some. He, he had, had some, he yes, had some he cookies. Have some. We all got together uh, around the so, Christmas time and had some cookies. Right. Funny enough, your your observation would be correct in that usually we would not be able to read this on the after party like immediately following a comment. <laughs> However, because of holiday disruptions and everything, we actually are able to because yep. uh, we've gotten a little bit behind on our recording. We need to step that back up. But uh, that does mean that fortunately we are able to actually read this immediately and for uh, After Party 60. So over the yeah. hill After Party for us. With cookies. Yeah, I believe we had everybody over, had a nice dinner, and dessert was your cookies. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it was fun. And that is it for our mail slash email. So I believe we're moving on to my favorite part. Well, actually, no, that's not true because I love the freaking emails. So second favorite part. I love the email. Uh, My second favorite part of these, which is the casting. All right. So if we're going to be doing the casting today, I will need Rachel to roll me a D12. D12. Nine. Nine. (laughs) All All right. So we do have a casting. I'm going to throw a caveat out here. Okay. Uh, okay. That one, not an actor, but two, you cannot cast the obvious option for this. Okay. Today we're going to cast Razmir, the living god. <laughs> you cannot cast <laughs> Jason Bowman. We can't. We no, can't Jason Bowman. Okay, Bulman. got it. Got it. <laughs> Why can't we just all agree it's Jason Bowman? Casting done. Y'all have a good day. Find the path, Paul. <laughs> you know? I know exactly nope. who this is. Oh, no. Resmir is the leader of the nation he forged. Resmir is the ruler bold enough to call himself a living god. Claiming to have taken the test of the Starstone back in 4660, this so-called deity set about carving out a swath of the river kingdoms to call his own, destroying anyone who dared to stand in his way. In the years since, Razmir has attracted an influential cult of followers, lured to him with the promise of prosperity and peace, Converts more often than not find themselves struggling to survive in a nation that seems built to funnel wealth and privilege to the priests. They are told that only through more devotion to Razmir might they be able to find a way into paradise in this life. Razmir shrouds his past in rumors and myth, especially when it comes to his life before his supposed attempt at the test of the Starstone. In fact, scholars have attempted to collect a complete tale of the living god's mortal days to find the history filled with conflicting events and differing origins. Some stories, for example, claim that he grew up in Taldor, penniless on the streets of Opara, begging for food and sleeping under a sewer grate. Others purport that he was raised in Varisha on a small royal farm, destined to live a simple life until he uncovered the secret library of the Rune Lords, learning to wield their mighty power all his own. 
Despite their differences, all of the stories bear a few similarities. In each, Rasmir came from humble beginnings, neither wealthy nor powerful, but through his own cunning and daring, he rose to become a deity. Uh, yep. Yep, uh, in truth, Rasmir is no god, but a very manipulative and frighteningly powerful wizard. He hides behind his mask to conceal his growing age. Although he employs powerful alchemy to hold off the march of time, Rasmir knows that his days are limited. He has always been a despot, demanding unquestioning loyalty from even his closest advisors. But in the past few years, paranoia and rage have made him more dangerous to serve, and more than one of his visions, high-ranking members of his clergy, have gone missing. So I actually only had one name pop into my head. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. All right. John Malkovich. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. that's okay. That's a good one. Okay. I, was, I don't know why when you started describing it, I was like, mm, "Cyrus the Virus from Con Air." Because <laughs> 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 I was like, the way he got everybody to do what he wanted, and he was willing to shoot people to get what he wanted. I was like, that sounds like Raspberry. Yeah. And John Malkovich just oozes charisma, even though he's kind of a strange dude. Yeah, yeah. I love John Malkovich. I do. I love him so much. So yeah, that's, that's a good that's one, but pick. I'm going to stick with mine. Okay. I believe Rick is up next. It's rare I only have one, so I had to stick with it. <laughs> I also only have one and didn't even have to Google them. I was just like, I know exactly who this is. I'm not familiar with him from much of uh, from much else, although, of course, he is much more famous uh, in his home country than really he is over here. But Lee Byung Hong, I'm going to assume that I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is the South Korean actor that plays the front man in Squid Game. Mm. Oh, okay. The man can really emote behind a mask. That's true. That's yeah, true. he's yeah, he's real famous mm, yeah. in South Korea. The whole time I was watching that show, I was just sitting there going like, "This is very much like the you know, dude with a mask with a whole bunch of masked guys, all about money and all the rest." That's of that. true. This is all Rasmaran, and the dude is fun, like just the level of emotion that he manages to get across without being able to see your face is mm. staggering. Yeah, the only other person I think that really pulls that off is Hugo Weaving, but he's yeah. already been cast. Mm. Yeah. That was okay. actually my first thought was Hugo That was Weaving, my first but, thought too, yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, I unfortunately, I, I know very little on how Korean names are, pronoun are pronounced, so I don't know if I'm remotely pronouncing that correctly. So, yeah. Hmm. Also, apparently he's a famous singer. Didn't know That's that. That's cool. Okay, but charismatic, definitely not a nice guy, but gets lots of people to follow him, even into the River Kingdoms, Carrie Alwis. <laughs> all right this episode just went full circle now this episode did go full circle yeah because i was oh. like that guy is so charismatic he is he is like that's i've i've had definitely a crush on carrie always ever since i saw pirate princess bride when i was a kid so. yeah, i can see him being a smarmy wizard especially with like the way he was in psych well and he kind of he kind of already did play that in that really really awful version of ella enchanted that should never oh, have been yeah. made oh yeah that was mm. yeah he Awful. was actually good at it, though, because he was funny. Of course. Of course. But, um, yeah, that movie should have stuck close to the book. For yeah. sure. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Carrie Ellis. Good choice. Good choice. Jordan? All right. So I, I'm i a little... I've colored my perspective because I always think of Rasmir as, like, kind of over the top. <laughs> just because, oh, yeah. like, Rasmirin priests are always, like, you know, big and flashy. So I'm going to go with Ted Danson <laughs> uh, from The Good Place. He plays Michael in The Good Place. Uh, I yeah? love him in everything I've Maybe. seen him in. Um, and he, I feel like he would be very charismatic, but also he does that, like, kind of casual evil yeah. thing in The Good oh, Place, like, yeah, really well, where it's just like, he's just kind of like, I'm going to be smiling while I'm, you know, disintegrating you. Like, this is fun. Mm. From behind my mask. Yep, <laughs> from behind a mask. A mask of my face, let's be fair here. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go with Malcolm McDowell. 
Um, oh. He plays the villain in a ton of things. Um, people might, he, when he was younger, he was a, in A Clockwork Orange. He was yep. actually oh, the yeah. villain in Star Trek Generations. He's yep. always the bad guy. And He's he does it, <laughs> and does it very well. So, so, it's a minor <laughs> spoiler here for Star Trek Generations. But I always appreciate the joke, why did Captain Kirk die? Because Patrick Stewart couldn't win a fist fight against Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, He seems like he could lead a, a nation pretending he was a god. Yeah. Oh, man, these are all good. These are yeah, all you'd have really to hide, good. You'd have to hide his creepy smile behind that mask. <laughs> he was in something where he was like a cult leader. I can't remember what it well, was. He was a cult leader in Fallout. <laughs> The video game? No, I'm talking about it's like a TV show. He was a cult leader. Oh, uh, the Mentalist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that was yeah, him. that makes sense. He's also the Doctor in several of the Halloween rema- recent Halloween uh, remakes. Yeah, Doctor Lou. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. These are all good choices. Good luck. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good luck, Apparently, that he's focus. in Castlevania as a voice actor too. Yeah, he's uh um oh gosh, bar Barmy. Bar he's Varney the Vampire. Varney the Vampire. Um, so is uh, Jason Isaacs in the uh, in uh, voice mm. actor in Castlevania. That uh, that concludes our after party for today. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for writing in, and uh, here's to another sixty. <laughs> Woohoo! Yay! Yeah. As a side note, there will not be another sixty. Yeah, there won't. <laughs> not for this. Well, there may be another sixty. It just may not be Mummy's Mask. Yeah, that's oh, fair. Yeah, good point. Oh. <laughs> that is true. Although, who well, knows? Maybe, maybe we'll be keeping the after party name. Maybe we'll, I like uh, the after party name. I don't want to change it. Who knows? How many after parties do you think are left? Who knows? Uh, that requires math, and I don't, I Tune don't in. want to do math. Uh, my estimate would be 15 max. Ooh. Oh, wow. Well, keep that in mind, Pathfolk. If yeah. you have questions get from Mummy's Mask, you better get them written. Make it. Yep. Or make them timeless, and we'll just read them for whatever That's comes, off, That's that comes on after Mummy's Mask. But or we, we or we do our final after party is just we finally do the whole backlog. Yeah. Yeah, we could God, do that a, would, a six six probably be like a four hour, party. yeah, four hour after party. <laughs> hey, we could do a Q&A episode that's like between the campaigns and stuff. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Bye, Pathfall. Bye, Pathfall. Bye, everybody. Good luck. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.